There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring god of uh, sorry, a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the, with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and as high as it was long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, the city pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city wall were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth ruby, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topal, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what, what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing down from the throne of God and of the Lamb, <coughs> down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing the twelve, twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nation. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Brilliant. So, obviously there's lots in the passage. Um, and if there's stuff you don't understand or um, doesn't make sense to you, don't, you don't need to get hung up on it. But we're going to spend a little while, ten minutes, maybe a little bit more. And I just want you to look at the first the question on this sheet there. You might want to nominate one of your uh, group. Is um, What does this passage say about the church's life or mission? So you're going to have to engage your imagination a bit. This isn't, a, this isn't the Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesians going... You need to do this, you need to do that. It's, it's more abstract than that. But um, it tells us something about the life of the church. 
Can I suggest this group here? You guys maybe want to join another table because I think you'll need to have more for a successful. All right, let's uh, let's come back together, at least mentally, not physically, because we're already sat where we are going to sit. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, who wants to kick us off? What does this passage say about the church's life or mission? Come on. A lot. A lot. <laughs> if you're a geologist, you're going to be happy. That's the. Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Reflecting God's glory. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good. Yep. Yeah, it does. I really, yeah. Because the next passage in 22 is all about ribbon and trees and yes. God's earth. And I thought, why are we not seeing that? So, so it's really because it's built without working with God. Okay, brilliant. So um, there's a reflection there, isn't there? So in, back in Eden, God creates the whole world and then he sets off a little part of it as perf- like, uh, perfect in the middle, Eden. And then he says to Adam and Eve, go forth, multiply, subdue, and have dominion over the earth. So there's this element in which he leaves the creation unfinished, as it were. I mean, it's finished in the sense of it's exactly how he wants it to be, but then he kind of invites us to, to kind of do something alongside him, isn't there? And co-creation is a really good word for that, like because we're made in his image, he invites us to join in. And there's something about that um, in, this, in the city uh, that it's man-made. Well, you know, we... we careful with our terminology but something like that isn't there something that's it's, a, it's something human about it so I'm going to write down I don't know something human about it participation in divine architecture can you, can you come and write yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just going to fit it in that space um, I'm going to put something human there we go with a question mark just to show that I'm getting at something bigger okay brilliant Yes. How do you get that from the passage? I agree with you, but. So, the, so it is the church's people, isn't it? So, yeah. um. so I think the fact that it's a city, yeah. So it's not just impressive in the building and stuff. It's not like Chernobyl, you know. It's not a ghost town. Sure. Wow, it's still impressive with its buildings and whatever. What makes it impressive is that there's a whole bunch of people in there, and there's life it's oozing out of it. You know, it's all lit up, and people are going in and all of that. So it's, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's the, the people. Yeah. Um, and uh, the connection with the bride. Yeah. With being a bride, you, know, you don't marry a city yeah. such as the buildings. Yeah. You know, there's a 
personal human yeah. aspect there. Yeah. And there's something about that as a bigger, I mean, it's, uh, it's something, it seems like a society, so mm. there's something about it that's, that's uh, it's, it's not just people in the abstract. A city has a life, has economy and community and Culture. districts, maybe, I don't know, something like that. But <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, good. Okay? Oh. There's an outflowing uh, in terms of the river in the city, the cat influence yeah. far beyond its, uh, its boundaries. Yes. And, and I think also it, it takes me back to the Ezekiel temple. Yeah, Ezekiel 47. Yeah. Oh, not 44. 47. Yeah, so there's a reference there, isn't there? There's, uh, Ezekiel 47 talks about the temple and the river flowing out of it, and it's basically giving life to the whole earth. Yeah taking previously barren areas of the earth and making it fruitful and full of life and it gets wider and deeper as it goes along. But what it doesn't say is it brings, in Ezekiel, it, it, it brings healing to the nations, which it says in Revelation. Yeah, com- I think they're compatible, aren't they? But Ezekiel definitely doesn't go that far. So, yeah, yeah. Excellent. All science is open. Okay. Okay, so that's good. So the door, so twelve gates, and face north, south, east, and west. There's something about stuff going out in every direction. That's yeah, that's good. Jim, sorry, just to just to go back to the previous point. Okay, yeah. River, I think we can't just gloss over it because it's so central. Go for it. Because what we're talking about here is stuff that is about the life of the church and the mission of the church. Yep. And clearly, that the the, the marker here that there's repeated over and over again is that the presence of God is there, yep. very apparent. Yep. The river is the Spirit of God, isn't it? The river is the Spirit of God that is, just as a natural river provides life, nourishment, and washes us clean, and, you know, it's, it's, um, again, cities are built around that because of, you know, they provide industry and all the rest of it. But the, the parallel there is that the, the Spirit does all of that in the middle. Yep. And, and that it's not dead, it's not just it's got a still water, it's flowing, it's moving, it's dynamic. And it, it is God. Yeah. So the idea is that, that one of the major marks of the church and its mission is to treasure and recognize its dependency on the Spirit of God and the presence of God, and that that, that should be apparent. Just like when Jesus said, Whenever two or three you are going to get right in the midst of you. So a mark of the church and the mission of the church is that God is in partnership, involved, deeply um, uh, 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 present in the whole thing. Yeah, great. Yeah. So r- rivers of living water, Jesus talks about in John. You've got um, the glory of God cover the earth. It's the waters cover the sea. You've got in the creed we say that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and giver of life in the same way that water brings life and Waters the earth, so yeah, excellent. So something about the spirit's presence is essential to the nature of the church. But the presence is overflowing. That's right. And we talked uh, we, um, on Sunday morning. We talked recently about how holiness is always directed towards fruitfulness. Remember, with the angels rejoicing, and and love is always directed towards that. There's a, something about growth and, and new life and something and like that. The powerful analogy that flows from that again is the fact that it's, it's a pure water. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if the water is uh, 
is bitter or it's, it's uh, salty or, or you know, it's no good, that, that's not life-giving. It's too much salt and it kills something. It's got to be pure. So there's a feeling of there of holiness. Yeah. And that's through a lot of the gold, the transparency. Yeah. Um, so one of my marks of the church, if you're going to help to build a, uh, a place where the Spirit of God is present and flowing, is that there needs to be a commitment to holiness right. and not to uh, uh, make the waters tepid but to keep it pure, to keep it flowing. Well, and can, there are other markers of holiness. Can anyone pick just off the top of your head in that passage? Things that reference the holiness of the city? The purity of the gold? Yeah, it's like glass. Anything else? It literally says, I'll give you a, an easy one for free. Nothing impure will ever enter into it. It's just pure. I mean, just the jewels and the barrels and the gold and the holiness of God. It shines. Yeah. So, okay, there's loads more to find. I just want us to think about, this, this is informing our vision of the church. So we're doing a Bible study right now, I think, and we're getting some big ideas, but like we need, it, I do want it to be ground, you know, we need to be able to ground these things and what difference does it make to, to what we do here. Andrew? Can I just add, the more we like Christ, the more this fruit will be poured into us, and the more that fruit will then be poured into the world. Right, so this, you're bang on to say that because the first thing he says is, I'll show you the bride, doesn't he? And, you know, it's a, there's, a, there's a marital or nuptial analogy here between Christ and his church. And you know, just as in a marriage, the more the husband and wife are conform to one another, the more their union is, is, is living and effective. And, and, and so what you're saying is implied in the passage. Like, the more that the bride is like Jesus, and like and unlike, because it, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, like a husband and wife. It's not a mirror image in the sense that, you know, but it's, uh, there's a compatibility there. And um, that's definitely there as well. So Christ-likeness, I think, is... is... Yeah. God's light. And John alludes to that right in this first chapter, doesn't it? We have seen the glory. Yeah. And so it's possible here. Yeah. Uh, he saw the glory of Christ, the one and only Son who's come from the Father in heaven. Yep. And brought that glory down to earth. Yeah. For church. Yeah, so it's in the presence of God's glory. Okay. Okay. The leaves being us, and how um, the tree bears fruit every season. It was forever fruitful. Yeah. But the tree of life comes from the river of life, so the source of life, that tree. Yeah. Is the river, and then it's able to be living in the nations. So the river was living in the nations, also the, the leaves were spread. That's really interesting, actually, isn't it? Yeah, that's really good. We have to play in progressing um, the curse as well, going out. So, can I... I think you're right. So, what, what do you think reversing the curse means in kind of... Yeah. 
Yeah. So the reason I push back on it, just literally because we might see reversing the curse as um, only as evangelism, for example. Um, so just you know, telling people about Jesus and seeing them get saved. But actually, I think there's something about what you've, the very thing you've highlighted, the comprehensiveness of, of that healing. It's not just talking about eternal salvation. There's something about it's bringing uh, wholeness to the whole of human existence. There's something about... Yeah, discipling the nations, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Like he, I'm going to write healing society. I... So there's a, for me, there's a first, like, really easy grounding point for what's the vision of a, ch- a local church. There's something really concrete about that, that actually we are somehow bringing healing to every part of human life. Families and work and communities and... Nations. Nations, yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Anything else? There's loads more, come on. <laughs> I think it's easy to with healing society it's easy to fall off the horse both ways in terms of being purely a social justice movement yep. being a we'll pray for you on Sunday yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, it's got to be both out doesn't it it's got to be that we are providing practical for people's practical needs like James says you say to someone, God bless you, and go provide them with food. You've not done anything. You know? Yeah. Um, and so I think the faith and the works thing comes in there, that it's a, a dramatic um, confluence of both practical health and therapy, if you like, yeah. and then also the spiritual um, underpinnings of that. Yeah. Great. Okay. At the risk of um, seeming to be very representative reformed, um, I think a strong thing that keeps cropping up is the foundations of the apostles. Great. Um, it's really good. Continually comes across even in the tree, yeah. the fruit. Uh, it's interesting that, that, that the fruit are seen as you know, key, like it's from, from the fruit that other trees that come, come from, the seed comes from. Yeah. Um, and it literally says the foundations. Yeah. Uh, the process of the foundations. So I think there's a, and Paul talks about that, where he says, that as the master builder, I made the foundations. So the point being that the, the, the apostles themselves, that they need to keep, they needed to go and preach and do, do the apostles' teaching. Yeah. Um, and so they were very much setting the foundations. So what that means is that we need to be able to know the right doctrine, the right gospel, the right message, and not be just spiritual. Because lots of people can be spiritual, they can be praying, they can do all sorts of things. But is that what the apostles taught? Who they got it from? Jesus himself. Yeah. So, and who is himself building on the prophets of the Old Testament? Exactly, exactly. So, so I think that part of the function of the church is that we know our stuff. We, we know what distinguishes us, we know truth from error, we know what's important to God, we know what sets us apart from the people and from other groups who say that they're spiritual or anything else, but it might be a different gospel, it might be a different kind of religion, but not 
the true religion, not what the apostles taught, not what everything stands upon, which came from Christ himself. Great. Thanks, Chris. That's really good. I've written apostolic for that. Um, good. Anything else we can hear ourselves above the torrential rain? Can I go back to the, uh, to the river? It's, the difference is that the Revelation River flows from the King of the Nations, the Ezekiel River, uh, doesn't affect the salt marshes. It gets stagnant and gets into the salt marshes. Suggestion could be there, but in actual fact, we as Christians need to be careful that our outflowing river doesn't become stagnant in some way. Yeah. There is a distinction, isn't there? It's not a uniformly optimistic picture, because it does say nothing impure will ever enter it. Not, uh, verse 27, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. So there, there is a sense in which this passage isn't universalist. Uh, you know, it's not talking about everyone or every place necessarily. There is some distinction, at least a hypothetical kind of you know, distinction. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, actually, each translation is different. We're having a guess at what the Greek words mean. So, it's certainly the intention is to remind us of the, uh, I think it's called the ephod, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and one of them is called Beryl. It's interesting, isn't it? Short answer, yes. Long answer, we'll talk about it another time. <laughs> um, but, but both the present, I'll, I'll point that out. The, the gates of the 12 tribes, aren't they? The gates of the city of the 12 tribes. So they're not, there's not a complete replacement. You'll be happy to know. <laughs> anything else? Anyone want to pick anything else? I think there's a strong thing of honour. Honour? Okay. Because you're talking about, you know, talking about jewels and there's a sense of royalty. Yeah. There's a sense of court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a sense of purpose. Yeah. Um, And so they're not just sort of, like even though the the place is open all the time, it's not that they're just having amazing parties, you know, it's just party towns. Yeah. There's there's a sense that there's there's stuff going on here that's important. Um, That is... Sense of unity. I'm going to write that anyway because you know I love it so much. So. <laughs> but I, I think there's I think there's more than one go- thing going on in that royal honour thing. I think that's a really interesting point. Thanks, Chris. Okay.
What about, um, so uh, Nick, you noticed there's no temple because there's a temple. So that was my wording, but you noticed, like it says, there was no temple in the city because, uh, verse 21, the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So there's no temple because there's a different type of temple. Okay, put that to one side. What does that imply? If there's, there is a temple, there's something happening in the city. Worship. And then that's why I included verse 3, which I didn't include to start with because it says the curse will no longer be there and I, right, you know, that really transports us to the end. But actually, even that's a pickle. But, so there's, wor- wor- there's foundation, isn't it? Worship. There's worship in the city of God. Like, um, what does sacrifice look like in a place where there's no death? What do you mean sacrifice? So like worship. Or service. What does service look like when there's no yeah. Interesting, isn't it? So it's like the laying down of the crowns and that that means that what sacrifice looks like, isn't it? You know, bowing down and like honour you know, up honouring someone else and down honouring yourself. Yeah, yeah. Well then this goes to like talking about What's the good we'll be doing? Jesus talks about giving the talents and letting them be ruler over so many cities and the universe is a big place and the implication is that there's plenty to do. But uh, yes, the nature of it is that there's That's a good one. Yeah. When we live our lives in a way that honours God, that is more worship. Yeah. Part of the sacramental aspects of the core, um, core values. Yeah, definitely. That we're restoring the world in a sense. Yeah. To living in such a way that everything is worshiping God, just by being what it was created. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and I would add to that. Uh, subtly, we can often think of worship as as always connected to um, redemption always connected to the removal of sin. Um, so we, can, you know, we think of the temple as removing the stain of sin. We think of church as coming to hear the gospel. But actually, you, you know, the Sabbath was initiated before the fall, Sabbath of rest and spending time in God's presence and so on. So we're made for worship. And so as the curse is removed, it's not just a case of like, oh, we don't need to go to the temple anymore. But actually there's you know, this ongoing enjoyment of God, which we were made for, is, is present as well. So worship is a really big one, I think. Good. Anything else? Oh, you're, you're still... All right. Say that again. Yeah, so God's, it's God's domain. And there's... Um, you pointed this out, Murray. There's, uh, there's an, um, it's, it's exact and definite. So the, it's a city. So it has walls and gates. So there's a separation, isn't there? And more than, a, more than just separation, that's to do with holiness, but there's a kind of, there's an in and out, and there's a moment at which you pass through the gate, and, you know, so there's, a, there's an, inte- an integrity, is the word I would use for it. Is that the idea of what, what those measurements going on? Yeah, that's, that's what you picked up on first, well, I think, Murray, was, that it was measured. And so there's a, I'm, I'm going to... Well, that is true. That is true. Um, I'm just going to write walls yeah. to, for that because I'm running out of space. Boundaries. There are boundaries. There's a, there's a definition. I think that's really, really, really important. Mark. Just, just tying this back to the Old Testament again. Um, the, uh, when, the, when the Israelites camped around the tabernacle, 
they count in a particular order. Yeah. And that is that's, uh, that's revealed in numbers two. Oh so yes. That's right, and it, it yeah. Three. There you go. So it's, a, it's again a, a perfection of Israel, isn't it? Good. The, the, the walls thing reminds me there's a psalm someone might know which number it is it talks about Jerusalem the beautiful city of Jerusalem compact and secure you know what I mean? just me? okay let's move on <laughs> it's in the psalms definitely uh, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 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 so if you have no luck with Peter you've got another 11 to try from to try yeah uh, <laughs> Thomas will let you in, he won't be. What we haven't said is the wonderment that there is there, really, and the scale, the yeah. size of the place. It's, it's enormous, isn't it? There's no other city on earth ending like that at all. What? It's about 1,400 miles wide or something like that. 1,500, 1,500 miles long. That's where it's square. That's where it says in the different part of it. Yeah, well, cubed, apparently, I think, isn't it? So, yeah, we could, yeah. Maybe we'll do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you want to push it? We can go for. We can do assimilation as a analogy for the kingdom of God. Pete, did you want? Well, I've said that really. But the, the land book of life is there, so it's, um, there is a limit to how many people <coughs> need to hold. Yeah. So if your name's not down. <laughs> yeah. Great. Anything on Matt, Tom's table? Anything else? Karen, Ellie. We just think. Well, we did think about the how I don't know. Maybe when we call the jewels and the precious stones and stuff, how it was attractive to outsiders. Yeah. In yes, the home, but also maybe. You know, when you're talking about the other week about using your material wealth to. Oh, the glory of God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, <coughs> yeah. That's that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, there's two lines, isn't there? They're really interesting and I think are worth thinking about maybe in a, in a moment. The kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. And the, glor- uh, the glory and honour of the nations will, will be brought into it. I wonder if our church life together reflects that. And what might that mean? I mean, if this is the church, right? This is the church all over the world and throughout time, but it would have some bearing on where we are right now. That's, it's a, it's a, it's a, Can you put a poster up saying, bring your splendour here? Yeah, we could do. Mm-hmm. It might be better than the apple orange one. So all nations, yeah, definitely, isn't it? So what <coughs> we, should we just use the word multicultural? Is that a bit naff? No, not multi-ethnic. <laughs> multi-ethnic. <laughs> Intersectionality. Um, no. Uh, yeah, global. How about that? Yes. Global.
don't know if this means anything, but... Um, <laughs> we'll tell you in a sec. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whether the fact that there's no sun, and there are all these precious jewels reflecting a different and new light. Yeah. <clears throat> like, we get different colours of light coming down from the sun, like the blue and the yellow and the infrared and all that sort of stuff. Um, I just wonder whether this light, this light will have put it through a prism and it makes like a billion different colours or something mm. like that and um, whether there'll be new colours, new and it's almost like the more you go into it the more, like the river itself you know, in is equal to 7 the further you get along the deeper it gets I wonder if there'll just be this infinitesimal detail to, mm. you know the, this gate and you'd just be staring at a gate for ages or is it pronounced a gate, I don't know but, um, yeah. yeah. So, does that mean anything? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, well, well, I'll answer the question very quickly. In terms of, I think it says something about, you know, we, each of us made, is made in God's image to reflect his glory. And even each of us uniquely reflects his glory. But then when you get... So let's say you use a diamond as an example of a person, if it doesn't sound too soppy. God's glory is like light shining on a diamond and is reflected in all these different directions. But then if you get a whole bunch of diamonds and put them all together and the light doesn't diminish, you know, it's scattered in all these different directions. And the more you have together, the more, the more you see that light in different directions, something like that. So there's something amazing about all the God's people gathered together reflecting God's glory in this kind of ever-increasing way. Yeah, I think there's something there. Um... Chris, last one, and then I'm going to move on. Yeah, it's, it's a subtle one, but I was just thinking about how, you know, when Jesus said, you know, I'm going ahead of you to prepare a place for you, and you might, you might there's many mansions. And, and so I was thinking that there's a real sense that, you know, this place, this new Jerusalem, you know, we really belong there. This really is home. There's a belonging. And I think that when you apply that to church, you know, to church, I guess this is why I point about membership. There does need to be a sense of belonging that, that, that I, I do belong here. Yeah, that's home. good. And so there's uh, all those things that go along with that. You know, shared responsibility, a, an interest in your, uh, in, your, uh, in your family members supporting one another. Because it's home. Yeah, right. So that, I think Paul, uh, that first Ephesians one, Paul talks about it being a household, doesn't he? And um, so I'm gonna, I've written citizenship. So there's a sense of belonging. It's not individualistic, is it? It's not like, um, uh, you know, just a bunch of people who happen to be in the same place. So it's good. Okay, and I think I, I would just point out one other, which we haven't mentioned really, um, that the nations will walk by its light. Verse 24. And I would say that points to um, the prophetic nature of the church, being able to speak God's uh, truth and wisdom into the world. Because we see the way the world the way the, the world really is um, because of God's word because of the Holy Spirit living inside us that gives us an ability to perceive what's happening around us that Jesus talks about knowing the seasons and the times which is what's missing right now right right yeah and people you know there's bits of it out there you know but it's like stringing it all together into a coherent this is what's actually happening and understanding the way the world works and so on you know it's all part of what the church does and you can you can see that and in a holistic sense so it, I, I always say that's everything from like the prophetic, you know, what's happening in terms of our culture and that sort of thing, really kind of cutting edge stuff to the 
to the kind of everyday stuff like scientific discovery, you can make a good case, you know, the scientific mindset of exploring the world around us and believing it's rational and discoverable is actually a Christian value um, that's guided Western civilization and kind of, you know, spread out and brought life to the whole world. And I know we don't necessarily think of that as a spiritual thing, but I think that is a fundamental part of the the kingdom. And it's prophesied, you know, that's the stuff in the Old Testament about the age of the Messiah and so on. It's, uh, you know, it's all there. Uh, so, the German, uh, Philippians 2.15, you will then shine like a star in the sky. Yeah. If you hold firmly to the word of life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great. Okay, well, that's really, really good. So I hope that's, um, well, it's been a lot longer than that than I thought. But that's, that's all fine. Um, moment while I rearrange this here. So I want to sum up those three things that we've, uh, I want to sum up all those things we talked about into three kind of, three key areas of vision. And I think you'll find that there's a tally there. And then we'll spend the last bit of our time together tonight um, just looking at how our values might affect our understanding of those three things. So I want to say basically there are three kind of key areas of what it means to be a church, our life together, our mission. Um, the first is that we, our job is to worship God together. That's it. So I'm, I hope this pen works. There we go. Worship God together. You might want to put a comma in there just to emphasise. So fundamental to what it means to be the church is to worship and enjoy God. You know, that's who we're gathered into a city around the, the Lamb and, the, uh, and God, around the throne, and we're serving, because actually our high, the highest calling we have as human beings is to worship God. It's not just, the, like I said, it's not just the result of the fall, but actually to, to enjoy God's presence and to rest it with him, and, um, you know, it's, it's actually what we're made for. And um, that's what it means to be the church, isn't it? Is that okay? Can we feel okay about that? Is that really self-serving? Is it like that like we look forward to coming to make it real now? We look forward to coming to church, so just singing God's praises and spending time with each other and <laughs> That's okay, right? I mean it's supposed to be really good. I think that's that's really, really cool. Um so we're supposed to be worshipping God together. And that's a corporate aspect, you know, when we gather together on a Sunday and um especially, you know, with a communion as the kind of the centre of everything. We're coming together into uh, God's presence and in enjoying him and telling each other how amazing he is and expressing our love to him and seeing his love for us despite really clearly. There's an amazing fellowship around that. Um, and I put the little comma in together because I think for me it's, it's not just about Sundays but it's the church as, we have the church as people you know, this sense of the, which it's not just about like a Sunday service, but it's actually our life together in terms of uh, he, friendship, fellowship, uh, holding one another to uh, account. Because there's purity in the city, isn't there? There's no darkness there. John, John talks about that in 1 John. It's like confessing our sins to one another and bringing things into the light. You know, so there's our life together and the whole richness of human life uh, within a community. So that we have a a life together that's marked off from the outside world. It's not just that we happen to worship in the same building. 
but we have a distinct and definite fellowship together um, that enriches our enjoyment of God as we get to know each other. Does that sound okay? Yeah, that's right. So there's something beautiful about about that life together. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's the first one. Pretty simple, I think. But that is a core part of what it means to, to, to be the church. So we're just boiling down to three, and these are supposed to be memorable, um, hopefully. But um, if we can fix these in our minds, over time, what you'll see is this, hopefully this will shape our understanding of like what we do together, and it'll give you ideas of, you know, this isn't just about information, it's about giving you the tools to kind of contribute to the life of the church and, you know, guide it and know what your place is and, and, and that sort of thing. So, Okay, so the second one, I think, is we go outflowing, the river, the open gates, the healing for the nations, that sort of thing. It's overflowing with God's grace. So, uh, oh, sorry about my handwriting. Never mind. You're going to have a handout in a minute anyway if you can't read it. Can you move the stand away here, please? I can. Over. Over. Same me. Overflowing with God's grace. Um, so, our worship together. Um, leads to this overflowing. So there's a sense in which you know, we're filled up with something so good that it spills out into the world around us. And we're bringing transformation to the world around. In that holistic sense, in that sense that it affects every part of life around us, we're bringing healing to the nations. We're taking up that command that God gave to Adam and Eve, go forth, multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth. You know, we're changing the world around us, uh, bringing good things into the world. And you guys did so well. I don't have anything to discuss because you picked up all my points. So I'm just giving you brief things. So I think these two things are, are essential. And the third one is kind of less obvious, but the picture we've used for this in the past, I think it's really helpful, is um, it's like a heartbeat. So the church's life is like a heartbeat. It's, you, you, know, you have the two sides of the heart. One is blood comes rushing into the one side of the heart and it's oxygenated. And that's, you know, that's like our worship together. We come into God's presence and we're filled with the Spirit. And then the second, the other part of the heart, the bigger beat, actually, is the blood is sent to the, you know, all parts of the body. And that's like us being sent out into the world. We're full of God's life. And the two things have to go together. Um, so, worship God together, overflowing with God's grace in all that sense. And the third one is um, more implied than explicit, but this is Calling people. See? Yes. Because. Right. So this is the really this is really interesting, but I think um, we can't do without it really. The purpose of these things. It's not sufficient to describe the mission of the church in terms of just worshipping God or just doing good. And if you think about it, for 
those of you guys who know, you know, just you can observe this in churches you visited. If you know a bit of church history, you'll see these three things emerging again and again. Churches tend to one of these three things. They either tend to focus on worship, like having a great time together, or on social justice, on changing the world and that sort of thing, or on evangelism. And that's the the third one I'm talking about, evangelism. And what I'm saying to you really is that all three are absolutely necessary. All three go together. So Jesus says, if you love one another, then the world will believe that the Father has sent me. Um, We're going out, we're inviting people to come to Jesus, but we're not, you know, if we don't have a city to invite them into, you know, it's it's really interesting. And um, some of you guys remember Sam Ward, he came down, the guy who works for Eden. And they had, they, in, when he was in, in Manchester working in Eden, um, they had a really big emphasis on uh, church being just about mission. And by that they meant evangelism. You know, that's the purpose of the church. Didn't really understand this bit, worshipping God together. Well, I mean, they enjoyed it, but you didn't have a rationale for it. And what they found was their focus on evangelism was really effective because everybody was geared up. But what would happen is people would get saved, they'd make a commitment, and then they would kind of drift in and then kind of disappear again because they didn't have a life together. And they didn't have this bit either, which is each of us has a calling to, you know, to serve God and serve the world around us in a unique way. That comes, it flows out of this, this worship of God together. As we worship God, we become more like Christ and we become more ourselves. As we become more like Christ, more ourselves, we actually are released to uh, do what God has made us to do, which is... Each of us has a different effect on the world around us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So these three things together. Um, it's, really, it's really interesting. I just, this is just a bit geeky thing. I've got this book here. I wanted to show you. This is a, it's a, it's a PhD thesis. I didn't write it. I wish I had, because then I wouldn't have to do one. Um, and it begins with um, a chap saying, I, I originally thought of typing my book, this PhD, The Missionary Obligation of the Church. Because he thought it was just so clear-cut. Look at what Paul wrote in the New Testament. You'd find every other verse was like, go in and tell people about Jesus. Then he did a PhD and he realised it doesn't say that anywhere. (laughs) Isn't that funny? It's not actually explicit. In any of Paul's letters, go and tell people about Jesus. But what what he concludes is it's implied in everything. Your love for one another. Your, you know, like you said, Pete, your holiness is holding out the word of life. You're shining like stars. What's the purpose of that shining? To draw people to Christ. You're the river flowing out the city. What's the point of a river? It flows in one direction, so you know where its source is. You know, there's a sense of calling, 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 and all these three things go together. They're woven together. That's not to say evangelism is only doing good or only worshiping well. It is explicitly proclaiming the gospel. Of course, it is. But without these, without our worship together, without our life together, and without service to the world that demonstrates God's goodness and transforming power, our evangelism will be powerless and ineffective. Good. And it kind of seems like a cycle, doesn't it? Pulling people to a stone and they walk with grace and they start pulling people. Yeah. That's it. As all that treasure is brought in, it becomes more beautiful. Yeah, they're bringing their glory. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of Yeah. Good. Well, how are you guys doing? Still awake. Still awake. Still awake, good. I feel, I feel a certain <coughs> trepidation about giving you anything else to do this evening. 
<laughs> and it's not in English. You think we should pray, Matt? Yeah, pers- personally I do, because I think there's so much gold, golden info here. Yeah. However, my fear from a uh, human perspective is we're talking at all, like unbelievably, but not all the answers, but not the answers. And if I'm honest, like, I think it's so hard to actually fulfill this in you know, like everyday living. So it's all good, it's good and well, like we're coming out with all these answers and, you know, write pieces on it or whatever, but if it's not, if it's not entrenched or ingrained in our hearts and we're not, like, helping each other out and holding, you know, even saying holding each other to account, it's a, it's a throwaway comment, do you know what I mean? But, and it's something you think that we do. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, certainly a long way to go. I think what excites me is, is if, if we have a church that's... If church life and mission is shaped around those three things, I think that's... We're getting back to some of the, some of the excitement. It's like when Kathy read that prophecy last week. You know, I know... You know, we're talking about word and spirit and what it actually looks like. If this is the outworking, that it's a life together in worship, that it's changing the world and it's... Do, and calling people to to the God's throne by the gospel, I think that's an amazingly exciting and powerful yeah. vision of the church. It's not, not an obligation or a sense of duty. It's from absolutely nothing. You know, like you said about the heartbeat. Yeah. Being in, being in charge, yeah. being in charge, it's about God never tiring. And yeah. Um. So I agree with you. I think probably time is against us. My concern is, and it's my little chip on my shoulders. We've got big ideas and no concrete application, I suppose. Yeah. Should we have our homework to... Maybe to it's homework time, what do you think? A week yeah. to, to church. Okay. I don't have enough handouts, but I tell you what, I can do, what I can do is I can photocopy these and give you, give you one to take home before you go. Is that okay? Um, let's finish with time of prayer. I think we would be good. Can we pray on our tables? Is that everyone comfortable with that? Good. What I'd love is... I'll put one of these on each table. And you can break through. And what I'm really interested in is how the values we looked at last week are, and you don't have to discuss this, but you can just pray, you know, how you feel. The values we talked about last week fit in with the vision we talked about this week. So, what does word, oh, word look like? What does spirit feel?